0: listening to the Innovo podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at Innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, tomorrow's Memorial Day. It's always an interesting holiday, and it's more than just barbecue and hanging out and going swimming, which I enjoy all those things. But it's a holiday where we honor those who have died in American wars. And uh, my in-laws, are a l- they were a little older. They're both gone now. But Mary's parents, they would always talk about Decoration Day. Have you ever heard that phrase before? And they'd go decorate the graves. They'd decorate all the graves. But the holiday is specifically about decorating the, the graves of fallen soldiers who have died for our freedom. And it uh, started with a civil war that expanded to World War I and then World War II and then so on. And, uh, but we honor the people that died for our country, and that's kind of cool for us. We've got a lot to be grateful for because there have been brave men and women who have died for us as a country throughout the 200 and whatever years that we've been a nation. And uh, they, pay, they, they made the ultimate sacrifice, and we're the beneficiaries. So that's our, it's, a, it's a time to celebrate what people have won for us. Um, and soldiers who have fought and died for our freedom are great pictures of the Lord Jesus, aren't they? The Lord Jesus bravely went to the cross and He died for us so that we can be free and live a life of freedom. And that's just so good for us. And that's our celebration as well. And His sacrifice provided everything that we need to really live. So today, real quick, I don't have a lot of time, I want to talk about that word salvation and how it ties into freedom. We're doing a series called Released by the Cross, and we're talking about all the things that Jesus won for us on the cross and how we can step into those things. So um, today we're going to look at that word salvation. So let's, let's we, I know we prayed a lot today, but let's pray and thank the Lord for those who have died, that their families would be blessed. There's people still giving their lives for our country even today. We want to pray for them and uh, thank Him for His coming. So Lord Jesus, we just stop again and we pause. So we, we thank You for... Uh, the, the brave men and women who have died for us over the years for our country. We thank you for what our country is and what you've done, Lord. It's truly a miracle what you're doing. And Lord, we pray for our country. We, we bless our country. We bless our leader. We bless our president in Jesus' name. And Lord, continue to work in our country, put good people in leadership uh, with elections coming up. And Lord, we also thank you again for your sacrifice on the cross for us. That Lord, you bled and died and suffered and suffered. And Lord, you paid the ultimate price that we can be saved. And we thank you for that. God, help us to understand and appropriate all the things you're doing in us and did for us through your death on the cross. Holy Spirit, continue to work and minister. uh, Focus our minds. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, salvation. Uh, I, uh, I was saved as a young boy in Rockford, Illinois, when I was nine years old. That was a long time ago. It's going to be 50 years this summer. <laughs> That's how long it's been. Um, our church, our Baptist church, was in a time of revival. And it wasn't a planned revival. The Lord just showed up in the Baptist church. It happens. And it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And I just saw God show up, and I saw people being transformed and changed. And I just thought, man, I want in on this. God, is, he's He's real. And just like you were saying, God's there and He's real, and I wanna I want to be in. So I went to my pastor, his name was Crowley Bridges from Paris, Texas. Great pastor. And I told him that I wanted to follow Jesus. And we went to his office and we prayed together. And I asked Jesus into my life and just began to follow him. And even at nine years old, I began to change. I don't know how old you were when you gave your life to the Lord. I was nine, but I was a rascal. I was mean. Uh, I, I, I was just, yeah, I won't go into all the details, but I was a bad kid and I began to change and hunger for God's word. I I was glad you said that when I, when I, when I gave my life to the Lord, I mean, I wanted to study the Bible. I wanted to hear what God had to say and I wanted to share with my friends what Jesus had done and I wanted to get closer to the Lord. I wanted to make a difference with my life and it was a turning point for me. Now we call that in the Baptist church, getting saved. I got saved. There was a song we'd sing. It was on a Monday. Somebody touched me. You ever hear that song before? I know it was the hand of the Lord. And on your day, you'd stand up. You know, and uh, but my sins were forgiven, and I gave my life to the Lord, and it was a, it was a big deal. And some call that born again, and that's that's okay too. But as I grow and study the Bible and learn. I'm understanding that salvation is not just about having your sins forgiven. It's not not just about your eternal destiny. It's about even more than that. There's so much bundled into that, that term salvation as the Bible describes it. And I would say this, salvation is God's total provision for His people through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Salvation, God's total provision. Everything that you will ever need Jesus won for you on the cross. It's important for us to understand this as we move forward to what God has for us as a church. And I would say, isn't that something that we all want to experience? God's total provision. We have needs, we have challenges. We have issues. But God has what we need through the cross, and that's good for us. So we've talked before about this, the Greek word in the New Testament, uh, the Bible was not written in English. The Bible is not written for English-speaking people, <laughs> okay? The, the Bible was written in uh, Koine Greek, the common Greek for the people, and it's for people all over the world in many, many different languages. We think everything's about us sometimes. It's not. So we translate that word where sozo is a word that means salvation. We translate that word into English as salvation, but we also tra- it's also translated into other words that give us some hint of the fullness of what salvation is. Um, it's more than just getting saved. Healing is in the gospel. It's not part of the gospel. Healing's in the gospel. It's in there. Deliverance from torment is in the gospel. Provision for every need that we have as people is in the gospel. Jesus won it for us on the cross. Uh, everything comes to us through the cross, and God wants us to, that to stick in our minds. Let me say it like this. Um, being born again or getting saved is a one time experience. Uh, I always like to say it's like getting married. Mary and I, uh, we've been married for 39 years. It's going to be 40 a year from this July. And we stood up in front of people and we gave our vows and we made our promises. And that one time act brought us into marriage relationship with each other. And we did that. And we were married. Being born again or getting saved happens. When we step into a relationship with the Lord through belief and confession. Confess your, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. It's a, con- it's a confession we make. It's a one-time act. It's like giving your, your wedding vows. Jesus did all the work. He's made His promises to us. We say yes in response and, we're, and we step into a relationship with Him. But salvation is a progressive experience. We are being saved It's kind of, we want things to be like all clean cut and perfect. And it's hard to discern sometimes we have been saved, but we are being saved at the same time. We are being saved. We are getting better. (laughs) The The Lord's working in our life and that's good for us, you know, and it's progressive. You know, when I got, when I made my covenant promises to my wife, I had no idea what it meant to love somebody. And I still suck at it. I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm getting better. But you, you can ask her how I'm doing. You can always ask her, how's Greg doing at loving you and being a good husband? She'll tell you what she thinks. I can say that because she's far away right now. So, uh, But we're getting better. And there's ups and downs, aren't there? There's some hills and valleys. But we're growing in relationship with each other and relationship with the Lord. You're getting better at it. There's some ups and downs. Sometimes we fall on our face. But you're being saved. Salvation is like the land of Canaan that the Israelites stepped into. They didn't win it all at once. They won it progressively. It wasn't until David, King David came along that they really took the whole land. That was about 400 years after they stepped into the promised land. They progressively took it bit by bit, piece by piece, until they appropriated the whole land and stepped into it. So today, I want to say, how do we step into all that God has for us at salvation? I want it all. I want to experience all of it. He's already given it to me. I want to step into it. The, the, the Israelites had the whole land. God gave it to them, but they hadn't appropriated it at all yet. So what we're learning to do, as we've talked about all these things in this series, how do we step into those things and appropriate them? How can we live out the salvation? Um, I, I think a lot of us settle for less. We, we settle for being forgiven and our eternal destiny, but we're, we don't strive to appropriate what he's given us for now. You know, I use that word strive because sometimes it's a battle, you know. Um, have you ever seen the movie, A Christmas Carol? I, I love the one with George C. Scott in it. That's my favorite. I know it's not Christmas time, but uh, in the beginning of the movie, you see Ebenezer Scrooge, the old miser and he owns this huge house that he inherited from his father. It's a mansion in London, it's it's gigantic. And in the movie, on Christmas Eve, we see him stop at a vendor and buy a cup of broth for his dinner. The guy's a millionaire. He could have anything he wants for dinner. He stops and he gets a, a cup of broth and he worms it on the fire in his room. And as he goes into his house, we see that this entire mansion is being unused, and he's just living in one room. And not only is he living in one room, we learn that he's living in the servants' quarters. <laughs> because when the bell, Jacob Marley shows up and all the bells start to ring, Don't, you ever see Downton Abbey? When they want something, they pull on the thing, and the bells in the servants' area rings. That was the room he was staying in, the, the room with the bells, because they were the bells for the servants. So here's this guy. He has more money he knows what to do with. He has a mansion that he didn't pay for and he's living in the servant's quarter eating a, drinking a cup of broth. <laughs> that is a good description of some followers of Jesus today. We are, we are living in the, in the servant's quarters totally unaware of all that God has won for us on the cross, sipping our broth, uh, worried about where our next meal is going to come from, wondering if God can take care of us and afraid And the Lord would say to us, man, I won so much for you on the cross, total provision for everything that you'll need. And and, and when you know me, when you have been saved, you have those things. Let me show you how to step into it, even for coughing. Um, This is what Paul prayed for for the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 3, 17 through 18. Let's stand in honor of God's Word for this first verse. And I'm going to ask somebody who wants to, our normal reader, Nick's not here today, but if somebody wants to read this for us, that would be awesome. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Amen. That's a good, that's a good verse. You may be seated. Thanks, Steve. Leave that up there for a second. Paul's praying for the Ephesian church, and that's one of my favorite books in the Bible. He does, God, he lays out so much from the Lord for the people, and he says that he prays for them, that they're already being rooted and grounded in love. If you've ever planted something, we've already been planted. Our, our roots are growing, okay, but he, they needed to comprehend something. What they need to comprehend the width, the length, the height, and the depth of what Jesus has done for them. That they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what we want. God, I want to be filled with all of your fullness. And I love it. Here again, it's not this black and white thing. There's a length to it. There's not just a length, there's a depth and a width, and a height. It just goes every direction. It's, we could search out for our entire life all that Jesus has done for us. We're never going to get to all of it. We're never going to get to all of it. And Paul says, if you could just comprehend what God has done for you, you're going to move out of those servants' quarters. You're going to ditch your broth, <laughs> and you're going to have a steak. You know, the guys last night, we went to Texas Roadhouse and went to see a movie, And we got a steak at Texas Roadhouse. I'd rather have steak than a cup of broth any day, you know? So our prayer, God, help us understand and comprehend the length and width and depth of your great salvation. So God gives us pictures to understand these things. I'm going to go fast here, but he fills the Bible with illustrations and pictures for us to help us get it. Um, And Psalm 78 is a great one. Uh, The children of Israel coming out of Egypt into the promised land is a great picture of salvation. Psalm 78 and verse 52, I'm going to read this for us. But he led his own people out like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them safely so that they did not fear, but the sea engulfed their enemies. So he brought them to his holy land, to this hill country, which which his right hand had gained. He also drove out the nations from them, And apportioned them an inheritance by measurement and had the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. What did God not do? Was he didn't say, hey, I got you free from Egypt. And they all leave Egypt and he points towards the promised land. I think it's that way, guys. Go get it. (laughs) And good luck. You know, he didn't he didn't do that. He 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 walked with them all the way through. One of your provisions of salvation is the presence of the Lord. That he goes with you everywhere you go. You never have to pray, God be with me today. Because he's with you. He's with you all along the journey. You can talk to him and communicate with him. He is shepherding you like a big old sheep. He's doing that right now. It covered all their blessing and passage through the desert. uh, Through the Red Sea. You know, we can look at the landscape of our country right now and get a little afraid of some things. Can We see some, maybe some desert times coming. There's predictions of recession and different things coming. Depends who you listen to. Don't listen to too much of the negative stuff. Be aware. But we can be afraid of that. The, the desert time is coming. Guess what? God will shepherd me like a sheep in the desert. He has the ability to take care of me and provide for me and give me everything he needs, everything that I need in my family. Deliverance from my enemies. A cloud by day in a desert. This was a miracle that in a hot desert where... I always, I always wondered why people die in the desert in western movies, the old westerns, until I went to Tombstone, Arizona on a trip, in, in, down, I think it was in July, and you step out into the desert, it's like, man, I can't even breathe out here. You, I would die in five minutes. There's scorpions and snakes and the cactus and everything out there. There was a, a cloud that shielded them by day to where they didn't feel the heat of the sun. There was fi- a pillar of fire by night. Water from the rock. Your God can bring water out of a rock for you. <laughs> you know. uh, manna. How, how many truckloads of food would it take to, to feed three million people in the desert every day? Quite a bit. <laughs> but God fed them every day. Three million people. Provision for them. Even their shoes never wore out. And their clothes didn't wear out. Uh, We wouldn't like that because we like to buy new clothes. At least I know I do. I like to buy new shoes, you know. Uh, He even drove out the nations before him. Uh, All this is summed up in that word salvation. That's what God does for us. But they failed to understand it. This is what happened, Psalms 78, 19, 22. Then they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. Can he provide bread? (laughs) <laughs> you know, will he give us meat? <laughs> you know, they were, they were not satisfied, and when their next challenge came along, they panicked. Now, I know you're not like me, but do you ever panic when new challenges come along? God does some amazing thing in your life, and then here comes something else. they like, yeah, oh, what are we going to do? Get afraid. Instead of learning to trust the provision of the Lord that God, can, God took care of this challenge, he could help me with the next when Julie was born premature, she came three months early, my youngest. And everyone said that she wasn't going to live. Well, then she, she made it, and she made it past the next challenge and the next challenge, and now she's 23, and she's just honorary, but she's, she's, there's nothing wrong with her from all that, you know? And the Lord brought her through. And God, if you're paying attention, God is building a track record of, in your life of the things He's done for you the things He's brought you through. A time when you were just down and depressed, wondered how you were going to make it. And, he, and, and you got through. He's at work. It's good to write those things down and rehearse and remember. You know, the Sabbath back in the day was a day of remembering. We think of the Sabbath as about, is, is about not working. And it was about not working. But what, what did you do when you were not working on the Sabbath day? You remembered. You rehearsed what God has done in your life. You just took a moment and said, well, yeah, He did this and He did this. And he brought us to the Red Sea, and he gave us man in the wilderness, and the water came out of a rock, and we had this medical bill, and God paid it, and uh, I got rejected for this job, and, I, and it's the one I always wanted, but then he came along and gave me something better, and you rehearse what God's doing. You rehearse it as part of your rest, and your quiet time, and your prayer time, and you remember. And the Lord, it says, was actually angry with the people because they did not put two and two together and say, if God brought me through this, he can bring me through that. You know, One way we appropriate salvation is by trusting him. You know what brings glory to God when you trust him for a big challenge you got? When you, when you just trust him and, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I know God has provision for me through the cross, and he can heal me, or he can help me get over this depression, or he can give us what we need to pay this bill. See, you, you, you have it through the cross, but we live in the servant's quarters. Because we think, how am I going to make this happen? And God's teaching you, you don't have to make it happen. You know, obey, trust, work hard, of course. But provision is provided for you at the cross. He's teaching us this, you know. And we step into more, and this one, and then this one, and pretty soon, if we're doing it right, you know, we're living a George Mueller kind of lifestyle. If you've read the George Mueller's book, which is a great book. If you if you struggle with provision, can God beat my needs, my physical needs? Read George Mueller's autobiography. It's fantastic. And, we, and, we, and the goal is that we should become more confident as time goes on, you know. I know my kids, you know, they'll get rejected for a job. And as the world is falling apart. And again, I'm 59. I've I've been fired from some and I've had many. And, you know, the Lord has taken me out of jobs, and literally there's been jobs where I'm making three times, three times more money in in just a matter of months, you know? And the Lord can provide for my needs. But instead of getting more settled, we continue to get worried. And we just need to learn to trust. It brings Him glory when you trust Him. You know, God's glory is His works, okay? God's glory is the things He does, So when he does a miracle, when he heals you, when he provides for your needs, it's his glory. And he's glorified when you trust him in your challenges. It's his glory. It becomes your glory in a sense because you've got a track record of what God has done for you. And you can relax in that a little bit. You know, I love this. I'm not going to get very far today. I love this picture in Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Look talk in the Old Testament, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies were made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This, this is where we're going to stop today, because this is as far as we're going to get. But this is the, this is the deal. The Old Testament priests would offer sacrifices every day. If you're an Old Testament priest, I'm reading through 2 Chronicles right now, they sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 12,000 sheep in one day. That's a lot of sacrifices. I don't know how you could do that, you know. Uh, Josephus shares that during Passover and Jesus' day, they would, they would sacrifice... 500,000 sheep. I don't know how that's even humanly possible, but that's what, that's what the historian wrote. Uh, guess what? If you're an Old Testament priest, you'd wake up the next day, what do you get to do again? Sacrifice some more sheep. <laughs> you know, I sacrificed sheep all day yesterday. I got, I got some more because they were not able to take away sins. They were pointing to the Lord Jesus coming and his total provision for us, you know? And. Um, It was pointing to the perfect sacrifice that was to come. But when Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He sat down. Why did he sit down? Because it was finished. All of those sacrifices pointed to what was to come, the perfect sacrifice of provision for you and I, everything that we're going to need. And then Jesus comes, and he lives it out, and he does it, and he sits down because it is finished and he has provided everything we need and folks we need to learn to sit down (laughs) you can sit down with him this is the thing for us this is the word he sat down because it is finished and he invites us to sit with him he invites us to sit you know it's finished i've done the work I've provided healing. I've provided the things that you need. We're progressing into it. But there's a sense that we, we learn, as a people of God, and Hebrews talks about this, that we can rest in what He's done. We can relax. We can keep trusting and, and, and join him in his work of sitting. It sounds very counterproductive. You know? I'm a person, I'm going to make my own way, I'm going to make it happen. Then you start getting older, and your health starts declining, and your knees start to hurt, and your elbows start to hurt. And it's like, well, maybe I can't do everything. And we learn that when we stay in relationship, and we trust, and we follow, God is going to provide what we need. In a sense, we can, you know, the big challenge comes, and of course we're going to work hard and do what we can. But Jesus is sitting. And we learn, "I I can sit and trust him for his provision in my life. And, and we join him. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I'm going give to give us one more illustration today and we're going we're to end. Um, I love the this, this story, the account of Noah's Ark. I, I love how God provides for his people. And If you know the story, you know what happened. Um, a flood was coming that was going to end a lot of the world. And this flood is coming, so God tells Noah to build a build a giant boat out of wood, it took him I think they said a hundred years to build it, covered it with pitch to seal it so it would be watertight, and uh, so that his family could be saved and a lot of the animals. So when the rain started, God told Noah, take your family and get into the ark. He almost the, the word says he almost had to kind of push him in a little bit because I think they had people they cared about that weren't going to make it. There was a lot of things that were going to change. He almost kind of pushed him into the ark. But this was a picture of salvation. That when they entered the ark, it was like Mary and I entering into a marriage. Like those of us who accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior to follow him, we entered in, and there was this moment of stepping into the door and being saved. We were saved at that point. The Holy Spirit came, and and we're following him. Um, Salvation came to Noah and his family, obviously, when they stepped into the ark. If they hadn't stepped into the ark, what was going to happen? They are going to take a long swim. But they stepped into the ark, into the salvation that God had provided for them in the boat. But all the time they were in the ark, they were being saved. They were riding out the water, they were riding out the waves. They were saved, and through the boat they were being saved. It was an ongoing experience riding in the ark. Uh, You're riding in the ark right now, if you know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've been saved, but you're being saved. I think one of the things that we're going to be amazed to find out when we get older, or when when we're with the Lord, is all the things He's rescued us from that we didn't realize. All the things that could have happened to us, all the accidents he saved us from, all the death that could have come our way, but we're riding in the ark. We have been saved, but we're being saved. You know, if, if, if this might be a bad illustration, I'm going to chance it anyway. If Noah's family had panicked at some point in the ark and wanted out, oh no, it's, it's creaking, this thing's going to collapse, and they started worrying about everything they were hearing and feeling, And they jumped out of the window into the water to find salvation. They'd have been in big trouble. It'd have been been rough. I think maybe that's why God only had one window when it was way up in the top of the ark where they couldn't reach it. They They couldn't bail out, you know. They had to trust God's provision in the ark. And I'm a little claustrophobic. I don't know about you. I don't like to be enclosed in one spot. I could never work in a kiosk. I have to be out doing things. And it would have been tough sitting in that ark for how many days was it they were in the ark was it 120 days or it was what's that a year okay a year no television no 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 netflix you know they're they're in the ark you know and what, what are we going to do today you know and, and and I'm sure it got very confining and but they were they were being saved through the ark and God's provision was coming to them and they and they made it all the way through and it was hard, but they had to trust God's provision. Um, maybe your life today is really, really boring. And you'd love some excitement, but it's just day-to-day. And you're just being faithful right now. You're trusting the Lord in that daily grind and working your job and being faithful. If you're married, being faithful in your marriage, being faithful to the Lord Jesus. And it's just not a big thrill. You're just like you're, you're in the ark, waiting for the, for the door to open and the flood to go down. And there's some choppy waters and some days like, oh, you know, you, you, you feel it. But God is working salvation in you and for you as you wait. Maybe you're in choppy waters and every day's a new adventure and you wish it was boring. God is working salvation in you. He's teaching us to trust him. He's, he's making it available to us. I'm not going to get into this healing Deliverance, all these things, God is working in us because He has provided salvation for us. And we need to learn to do it. How can we learn to do it? Real fast. Thank God for, the, for what He's done for you already. When you, when you talk to Him, one reason we're taking communion every Sunday, it's the gospel. <laughs> every Sunday we're, we're, we're seeing and living out the gospel through, through communion. But also... Uh, it gives us a chance to thank the Lord for what He did for us. So one thing that you can, we can do every day to step into His provision, thank God for the ark. Thank Him for the provision. Thank Him for what He's done. Thank You for the cross. Uh, Ephesians, God show me the length and the depth and the height and the width. I want to step into all your fullness. Just pray and thank Him. The Holy Spirit is with you for the ride, and He's going to show you what to do. Keep trusting Him. Obey Him. Listen to His voice. We had a good practice this morning of just listening to what the Lord's saying, and that's good for us. Keep trusting Him. He's going to use you to minister to people as He's working out salvation in you. Um, trust Him and obey. Avoid, you know, try, to, try to resist the panic. Keep trusting Him. Keep obeying. Keep following. Hang in there. Uh, the next time, here's a good thing to try, the next time you face an obstacle or a situation that would make you normally panic, just stop and pray, God, I trust you for your provision for this, and wait for him. Sit down. We're not good at sitting down. Sit down and trust him. And just rest in his work. You know, prayer is resting in the work of the Holy Spirit in the Lord Jesus Prayer is trusting God. It's not when all else fails, pray. It's joining God in His work, so pray. <laughs> you know, we pray to join Him in His work, and as we're waiting, we thank Him and say, God, you got this. I don't like it, but God, you got this. Thank you for your provision for me on the cross. Lord, move with deliverance. Move with healing. our your journey's been two years of waiting. <laughs> In the in the ark, trusting the Lord for healing, that's hard. I've admired you as you've gone through this. You know, uh, we're being saved, and I love the good reports that we get. You know, so let's 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 just pray and thank the Lord, and let's just 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 understand that the things that are happening to us are not because God's punishing us or hurting us or because we're out there on our own or because we're we're just victims of random chance. That is not who you are. You are God's kid, and you are in His. You're in His boat, <laughs> and and He has provided you through His salvation on the cross, and He has everything that you need. He wants us to show us. He wants to show us how to appropriate it, for right now. So let's pray, um, Lord. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for the cross, Lord Jesus. We, you could have left us alone, but you didn't. So God, we thank you for coming. Lord, we thank you for your promises in the Word that give us a hint of what you've done for us. And God, we bless you and thank you. And Lord, right now, we just thank you for any difficulty we're going through. Let's just do this for a moment. Is is there a difficulty or a frustration you're going through right now as you're in in the ark? (laughs) Is there something that's happening? Is is, is there a need for healing or a need for some deliverance? Or is there something that you're going through that you're you're just frustrated by it? Invite him into that right now. God, I thank you that you have made provision for us through the cross. And Lord, we lift up these points of frustration, Lord. There's no meat. (laughs) Where's the food going to come from? (laughs) Where's the water going to come from? Lord, it's hot. Lord, it's cold. Lord, I'm lonely. Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, we we just thank you that you have provided for us. And Lord... I pray that your grace would continue to work in us, strengthen us. But Lord, help us to learn to trust you better. That we can trust in your provision and walk in some victory. Lord, that we can have a smile on our face even when we're getting punched in the gut. (laughs) Because Lord, you are faithful and you are with us. And we're going to make it. And we're going to be okay. God, we trust your provision. We trust your work on the cross. Open our minds to see. And Lord, we love you today. God, I pray for anybody specifically going through a really difficult time. Lord, thank you that you're with them. And Lord, you got this. Lord, we love you and thank you in the strong name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.